Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take in a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Anderson, and today we have Captain Eric on with us. Eric, how are you? Pretty good, man. How are you? Super, super good, dude. Have you been on the water a lot recently or what? Oh, man. Nonstop. <laughs> You've been a busy <laughs> man. I love it. So good. Um, I have you on here right now because I want to talk to you about our recent fishing trip we went on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, dude. That day was a very unique day. But uh, before we get into that, give us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what you do. So, everybody, my name is Eric. I'm the captain at Easy Sport Fishing. We're based here in Southern California. Uh, we do everything from fishing little fish with little kids to catching trophy bluefin with the the pros or the guys who want to be pros, you know? I love it, dude. Um, so you're basically on the water every single day. Yeah. Yeah. During the season, every single day. And then during our, our slow season, they'll try to get out there at least three, four times a week. How's, uh, how has fishing been recently? Uh, it's actually been a lot better since our trip. <laughs> that that hurricane kind of put a little damper on the fishing when when you guys are in town but uh right now it's it's kind of a late season all of our tuna are just showing up now that kids are all back in school and it's hard for these guys to get back on the water and it's crazy because it's it's some of the best tuna fishing we've had in the last five years i'd say yeah i actually went out two days after our trip and scored some bluefin and it was pretty nuts to you know, be two miles off of the shore catching bluefin with irons. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, it's been good, but that's good to hear. Um, so let's talk about our, our trip that we did. I mean, the whole focus on that trip was, I guess, going after bluefin, right? Like, because I feel like the last couple of years has just been so amazing with that quality of fish with bluefin and, and tuna rolling around here that that's like what everybody's going for. Yeah, basically since 2015, we've had... Uh like back-to-back years of El Nino every single year. And it's that, and it coupled with some really good regulation change down south that uh, all this bluefin has been been here, been around, that uh, we haven't had for the last 20 years. And because of that, everybody wants to focus on them. Everybody wants to go and catch these fish. And it's these are these are literally the days that everyone always goes when our grandpa, our grandparents and or great grandparents say, like, you know, back in the day, this is back in the day today. We're experiencing the kind of fishing that's that's gonna be of legends in the future. It's pretty crazy to think about that. Like we were talking about that at work the other day about how, you know, your grandfather might have gotten bluefin back in the day. And then there was that long of a stretch that there was no good bluefin fishing around here. Like you had to go south or I mean, the East Coast obviously gets bluefin, but it's just like, it's just weird to like think that they're migrating back. Why do you think that is? It's not so much that they're migrating back, it's that they closed down the the Mexican fishery of it. So back when I was a kid, the the bluefin fishing, you see it shut down at the border. So the Mexican sailing fleet, they would set up along the border right there and they would just clean it all up. They'd net everything, just scoop everything up and over the last few years, their, their quotas, they meet them in a, a week or a month. And then 
it comes up here and there's almost no quota for the U.S. fleet to fish them. They're worthless to them, basically. So that those two regulation changes coupled with some kind of primo conditions, it's kind of been the perfect storm for bluefin fishing around here. It's the bluefin have been able to, to proliferate our local waters. Like 10, 15 years ago when I was a kid working on big boats, on the big sport boats, 100 plus heads, like you'd go out albacore fishing and you'd catch a bluefin. And if someone caught a bluefin, it was, it was kind of talk to the town. Like, Hey, did you hear <laughs> that boat? That boat got a bluefin. And it's like, those are like 10 to 30 pound fish. We're catching hundred to 200 pound fish. And nowadays a hundred pound fish isn't even talk of the town. They're like, Oh yeah. The three quarter day boat got one. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, Let's go back to our trip for a little bit. Obviously, um, I am from San Diego, so you're a little bit more north than me. But um, what kind of locations were you looking at for that day that we went out in specific? I know we went pretty far out and we got some good weather on the way back. But um, I mean, what when you when you knew that we were going to do that salt life trip, what um, what do you have in the back of your mind for locations going on? Uh, so just kind of all the all the typical zones that we'd be looking at for for these bluefin. I wanted to try to get you guys the best best opportunity possible, and then you know that little the hurricane that we got, the California hurricane, it it came through and kind of wrecked our plans two days prior. So the waters hadn't really rebounded from it, and we covered a hundreds of miles of of water to to find something for you guys and. We kind of bounced around, rolled the dice, and I wish it would have been a week later because we were catching 150 to 200 pound fish just seven, eight miles north of where we where we were with you guys that day. So it's one of those it's it's fishing, which I hate to say, but those those fish they they definitely cover a lot of ground, and the conditions just weren't prime for it. But um, yeah, it's just trying to follow those temp breaks and follow the chloro breaks and stuff and we'd had a, a little game plan in our mind we'd been watching it and the water had been changing a lot over the the couple of days with that hurricane it was crazy like we definitely saw some life i feel like out in the water and then obviously we saw that little breeze or some fish and then we fo- rolled up on that patty and none of us really thought the patty was going to be doing anything. And then all of a sudden, like those little mahi were kind of cruising by. That was kind of an interesting thing to me because the water temp was pretty cold. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of those ones that is just kind of, uh, uh we've had something. <laughs> yeah. Those Dorado, those Dorado had been in the area. They just kind of were here and there. They, would, I think they came up on the front edge of that storm with the warm water. And then once that storm came through the water, temperatures kind of rolled over on that inside that the zone that we were fishing and uh they they just kind of got trapped up there and we happened to come across a school of them that was just kind of hanging onto that structure for dear life <laughs> yeah it's it kind of seemed like that those were small smaller grade fish for sure but it was cool to get that i mean how often do you see mahi in cold water like that i mean that's still 65 degrees but colder water i would say yeah, not not very often. The only times that we really ever see that's kind of like, like when that when what happened to us happens, where they they come up on the front edge of some warm water, and then 
the temperatures conditions change overnight and then they're just kind of stuck and when it's cold like that they're not going to go and adventure around looking for bait or looking for more structure they'll just kind of hang out where they are until it warms back up like in the past couple of weeks has been more dorado caught since that trip but um all that stuff kind of that weather that came in right before you guys this trip kind of really put a real damper on on the trip <laughs> so your your boat specifically you use all the same gear you're sponsored by daiwa yeah sick dude yeah those those uh rods and reels that you had on there were so good to use and they were so user friendly i know darren darren unfortunately i didn't catch anything but darren was the guy that <laughs> caught the mahi and i was like so jealous but um that thing even for being that small grade of a fish he still put up a good fight i mean are those mahi always just putting up a good fight having a good time on the rod and reel yeah always so that's one of the cool things about catching any any of the fish that you're gonna pull off of a kelp patty like that are gonna be gonna be better fighters any of those blue water fish they're they're better swimmers i guess you could say so they're gonna have a little more explosiveness to them a little little more energy and they're gonna be a lot better fighters than say like if you pull into a reef and drop down any of those fish that have like square tails usually aren't as good of a fighter as something that's gonna have a more broad pork tail i can't recall what bait we had on that was it mac or sardine do you remember what we had on that trip uh we had sardines that day in your expertise like what do you like better uh, so 95% of the time when the water's warmer like this, we're going to have sardines. Uh, when it starts to get a little bit colder, we get back into anchovies. Me personally, I grew up fishing anchovy. I will always have a special place in my heart for anchovy fishing. It kind of weeds out the boys from the men. Um, you just have to present an anchovy better than a sardine. A sardine, anybody can just go and pin one on and send it out and they'll usually get bit. Uh, an anchovy when you have a tank of anchovy you can kind of differentiate the guys who've been fishing for a while from the newbies but anchovies usually get bit a little bit better in general just because they're they're easier for the fish to catch so they're is they're, that just because they're slower uh anchovies yeah they're a little bit slower when you hook them on the when you hook them on to any kind of a line you have to fish them on a little lighter presentation as well so that might be uh one of the reasons that they get that they get bit better just because you have to drop down line class hook size. But uh, they just, they're like little popsicles to the fish, man. They just slurp them down. <laughs> we, uh, when we were out there on the water, you were saying, or we all, we saw whales and we rolled up on a whale that was so close, but you were saying the fish were kind of tracking close to those whales. Explain to me like how that's working too with our ecosystem right now. Yeah, so right now it's actually been really well, really good. I don't know if you've seen any of those videos that the spotter planes have been putting up. Uh, Carl put up a video a few days ago of uh, a big, big school, a big bluefin on a whale right behind Catalina. So these fish are kind of tag teaming. They're they're mixing into pods of dolphins. They're mixing into groups of whales, and they're feeding all together. They're feeding as a full ecosystem. So. Sometimes the tuna find the bait first and the whales come in to clean up. Sometimes the whales are finding it first and the tuna are just on the outskirts picking off the scraps. It just kind of, it's, it's cool when you see the, when you see the mammals out there that this time of year, you can go and you can go and fish amongst the mammals and pull tuna out. So a couple of days ago, we had a group in that they'd never caught tuna before and 
we found the, a big pot of porpoise and we put the trollers out and the guy was asking me if we're going to try to catch a dolphin. And it's like, no dude, 30 seconds later, he's pulling in his first bluefin. So it's, it's fun. It's fun when you see the, the service action and then you get to catch the fish right below. It. And then it's even better when it's straight bluefin on the surface or yellowfin on the surface like that. Yeah, no, that trip that we went on was so fun just to see all the dolphin and like the whales and the ecosystem just working. And there was so much life, I feel like. And even though we had that storm before to get that one fish, I was just like so stoked on it. Obviously learning a lot from you um, on the ways of like before the trip, I'm like, oh, yeah, just troll cedar plug through the dolphin and have a good time. And then you're like, no, like you need to like either be far in front or, you know, like teaching me all this stuff. But Actually, yeah, let's talk about that. So like with the dolphin and stuff, because that was something new that I've learned. Like you're saying to, to troll in front of them, right? Or they're chasing all the yellowfin. Yeah, so the tuna typically they'll kind of lead the pack or they'll stray behind the pack. You're not going to really have them directly in the middle of the dolphin. So like when with your guys' trip, what we did, we ran up to the front of it, brailed bait in front, and then dropped back hook baits in the mix of that. So a lot of times if the if there's yellowfin in the school in that, that pot of porpoise, when you get up in front of it and you start brailing bait, you start throwing full dippers of bait, 30, 40, 50 pieces over the side of the boat, those tuna are going to come up. They're going to come up to feed in front. And then usually by that time, you've already got a bait back there and you'll get bit. So that's one of the, one of the key ways that we fish porpoise out here, especially since Southern California, we are a live bait fishery-based fishery. So... I know other parts, other parts of the country, they stick to just trolling or stick to like dragging skirts, rapalas and all that stuff. But on the, the normal porpoise grade tuna, it's usually, usually bait for us out here. Get up in front of it, throw those sardines that we have, throw those out in front of them and throw out a couple with hooks in them and hope to bend. There you go. I know, um, obviously catching a fish is the best part of a trip, but I would say the most exciting thing was definitely being that close to the whale. Like that was pretty rad. Do you have any like recaps on that trip that we went on that you thought was the best part? Anytime we see whales. It's so good. I get some guys that are like, oh, okay, that's cool. Let's keep going. But for me, I'm like a kid in a candy store. Anytime I see a whale come up, it never gets old. We just, we just recently had a trip that we came across a pod of dolphins and whales. There's four humpback whales feeding together, and I've never seen four together feeding in one spot before. And I'm sitting there squealing like a little schoolgirl, and the guy's downstairs. He's like, oh, that's kind of cool. And it's like me and Randy are sitting there like, wow, this is awesome, man. I can't believe it. Like, it's It just never gets old, you know? When you're out on the water, we get to see this stuff almost every day, but... Even then, it never gets old. I I never miss a chance to go and see a whole bunch of dolphins. Or if there's whales popping up and around, I'll cruise over and go take you guys to see it. Because the average person's never been anywhere near a whale, let alone close enough to see its its side, you know? <laughs> no, it really is amazing. And then right after that, the, the weather definitely took a toll on us. But <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was, a, that was such an adventure on the way back, and I loved it. I loved it. But you were talking, I was like, hey, what's the gnarliest weather you've been in? And on the way back, I'm, we're just getting pounded. Darren's soaking wet, somehow asleep <laughs> in the back of the boat. I'm soaking wet, but I have all my salt life gear on, so I'm dry underneath. But yeah, dude, like 
it was funny because you're like just having a good time. Yeah, it's all good, dude. And then when I asked you, like, what's the gnarliest weather you've been in? You've been in some gnarly stuff. Yeah, sometimes it comes up and it, it just comes out of nowhere. Like, to be completely honest, like, coming back that day wasn't bad. That was like our average summer afternoon crossing. <laughs> so, yeah, like, um, the worst weather, worst weather I would ever, I've ever been in in a small boat was probably 2015 or 2016. We had a trip coming back when these tuna first started kind of showing up in our area and we were, we were about 60 miles out, 70 miles out. And, um, we were out by San Clemente Island, out behind San Clemente Island. And it went from being complete sheet glass day to out of nowhere, the weather came up and we tucked their tails and we started to head home. And as we were running home, it just continued to deteriorate until we started driving through walls of water, you know, like there's water coming up over the roof of the, the house and stuff, like just straight green water and, it was that was probably the the scariest day I've been on the water on the big boats when I was growing up working we twenty foot seas twenty two foot seas but big and spaced out and that stuff wasn't sound scary wasn't too scary it's actually super cool because you'd see tuna above your head and the waves behind you but small boat it was it was probably like eight to ten just tightly close together and we're just trying to get home you know. Do you have a lot of trips coming up? I uh, it's actually we're just getting into our lobster season here, so that's something that we we do. That's one of our uh, our key fisheries, especially for us. We are sponsored by Promar as well, so we're one of the Promar guys that we handle all the lobster trips. I've been hooping since before it was popular back when we had to make our own hoop nets. Over the last yeah, over the last ten years or so, it's it's really grown. And it used to be, and I would see me, like, it'd be me and a few guys that I knew from around town that would be out there hoop netting for lobsters. And then nowadays it's, it's an actual, it's a full on sport. Like it's, it's bigger than fishing. I would say during the season, you'd see all the guys that were out fishing all summer and they'd put away all their rods and reels and they've got all their hoop nets and they drop them down and try to catch these lobsters. Tomorrow, 6.30 PM, right? Six. 6 6 p.m. Yeah, we've got a little delay in our area, so our our zone we're in, where we are, our local zone has a delay placed on it by fishing game, but uh, that should be lifted pretty shortly here, and then it'll be off to the races. Dude, I can't wait. Hey, Eric, if somebody wants to come do a charter with you, you have a website or Instagram or anything they can follow you on and link up with you. Yeah, of course. So if you guys go online, if our website is EZ, the letters EZ, and then sportfishing.com. Otherwise, you can go to our Instagram. It's, again, letters EZ underscore sportfishing. And if you go on there, you can find out everything that you need. You can see all the pictures of our, our current trips, past trips. And then uh, anytime we have any specials or anything like that, if you're on our Instagram, you'll find out that stuff, Facebook as well. And then the website, there's a sign-up list if you want to if you kind of just want to be notified about anything going on and if you're ready to book a trip, that's the way to do it. Epic dude. Yeah. Everybody go book a trip. It's super fun. And the weather's perfect right now. And you guys will love it. <laughs> Plus right now the tuna are coming in. There's less people on the water every day. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of really nice. The, 
the fish showed up late. So with everyone back in school, these weekdays are pretty much ghost towns out there. So the fish are not getting all run over every day. They're not being difficult. And uh, we had a trip just the other day that we went from the guy wanted to go rock fishing. We were rock fishing. Tuna came up within a half mile of where we were. The guy went home with 100 plus pound fish after fighting five or six others that were bigger that just kind of outclassed us for what we were there for to do. We weren't ready Crazy. for that great a fish to come in. So, How fun is that? Yeah, it's an absolute blast to go out there and you can go from catching little rockfish on the bottom, catch little red snappers and things like that, and then all of a sudden you're, you're going after running gun, chasing down 100-plus pound fish, throwing service irons out on poppery. So I would say this right now, if you don't have anything else going on, come and hop on real quick and go catch some tunas. <laughs> Rad. Well, Eric, thank you so much for hopping on, and thanks, everybody, for listening to today's podcast. We'll catch you next time. Eric, have a great day. Yeah, you too, man. Look forward to having you back. All right, man. See ya. All right, see ya. Thanks for listening in to Above and Below a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this episode, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. And remember, stay salty.